VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Voice America. I'm Patricia Raskin, and welcome to Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Today, we have a specially pre-recorded program for you, so you won't be calling in. We have a really great guest. We're talking about how we can feel like there's more to life than just making honey. And the bumblebee is my symbol. I pollinate through the airwaves, and I was really excited to have my guest on today. His name is John Pemberthy, and he is the author of the book, To Be, B-E-E, or Not To Be, B-E-E. John Pemberthy has managed a vitamin A fortification blindness prevention project for Helen Keller International in Indonesia and the 70,000-acre Cache Bioreserve River for the Nature Conservancy. His striving to see the divine in all things led him to write to be or not to be, which came to him in a meditation. Welcome, John. Thank you, Patricia. Yes, and you had and Lloyd Barrows illustrated this. Yes. Well, what I loved about it is that the bees really talk, and <laughs> they they really they really talk to each other about feeling left out and feeling small and, uh, you know, when somebody leaves and buzzes around and the other person, the other bee leaves, they feel sad. They talk about rushing around, about being crowded, all the things that we talk about as humans. Exactly. What was your, what do you think is the message of your book? Uh, I think that the central message of the book is uh, can be summed up basically in, in sort of one line, and that is, life is a journey from I to we. And uh, that's actually um, a little aphorism that I saw on the sign, on the sign in, a, in an ashram in India when I was there several years ago. And uh, I think it's, you know, we, as you say, we tend to be lonely, we tend to be confused and chaotic, and... Um, but it's not necessary. And uh, if we reach out to other people, even though we may feel we're different, uh, if we reach out to other people, there's always uh, consolation and togetherness in that. And why do you think it's the bees that came to you as sort of the symbol? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to take credit for, um, for uh, coming up with that, with that idea, but in truth, the whole book came to me like a, a computer download in a meditation one morning. Uh, I, I just mentioned that I'd been to India, and I had come back, and uh, a couple weeks after I'd gotten back, I was meditating one morning, and just zap, there was the whole story laid out before me, and I immediately got up and started writing. And, um, um, and I, I, But it, it does at the same time reflect what I had been going through at the time, and that was uh, feeling kind of burned out with life and feeling like there had to be more, and um, so it was, it was a perfect uh, communication vehicle through me and hopefully to uh, other people who read the book. You know, in, in the book and in the description, I mean, the book really takes readers into the world, the deep world of the honeybee, yes. which enables the magic of the allegory to expose the follies that we humans take so seriously. 
and, you know, stepping back or looking at our own innocent wisdom. What were some of the things, give us an example of some of the things that the bees said to each other that we as humans often say to each other? Oh, good question. Um, well, if, if I might, I've got a, a little quote here that, um, that might speak to that. That would be great. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I should mention that in the book, uh, Buzz is, is fortunate enough. First, at first, he's feeling lonely and dejected and out of sorts, but he's fortunate enough to encounter a mentor whose name is Bert. And, um, yeah. Okay, well, and so here's the, uh, the little excerpt from the, from the book. Um, uh, and Buzz, one day Buzz sees uh, his mentor, Bert, meditating. He doesn't know what that is. And um, he, he asks him, he says, he thinks it's praying, and he says to Bert, Do you pray, Buzz asked? Not much anymore, said Bert. To me, praying is usually asking for something, trying to get life to bend to our wishes. My sitting is more about calming down and listening, about gaining control of my own mind. I found that I have much better results controlling my own mind, which ultimately determines my experience, than trying to control everything else. So I think that's a good example of, of you know, one of some of the issues that we as human beings deal with because... Uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're controlling off. our mind because our minds are always going. Exactly. Just like exactly. the bee is always moving. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we, we think that by controlling the outer world that we'll, that we'll make ourselves happy, but, you know, anybody who's been around a few decades realizes that as soon as one problem is solved, another one pops up. And uh, the only way to get, get through that is to be able to, to really gain control of our own mind. John, when you were writing this book, I know you said you got it in a meditation. Did you study the bees at all? Did you do any research? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I read, oh, I think two or three books on bees. I went to a, um, honey, uh, a, uh, honey, a, excuse me, a honey producer where they had a, a bee um, colony behind glass and observed the bees for a few hours and talk to beekeepers, and yeah, so I did a fair amount of research because I felt it was important to be, for the book to be realistic. Um, there's you know, also got... a book, there's also a book called, I think it's The Way of the Shamanic Bee. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know about that. I'm not familiar with that, but, no. But that was a very interesting book. The symbol, was there a lot of symbolism very similar to what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you studied the bees and you talked to beekeepers, and what did they tell you that kind of added to the book? Um, I think most of what I got from them was sort of just the, the inner workings of what goes on in a honeybee colony. I mean, it's a pretty fascinating place, uh, and I had never realized how fascinating it was. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, the bees do communicate, you know, by wiggling their behinds and walking in certain directions and flying in certain yeah. directions. And I'm Don't sure they do a little dance? Isn't that a little dance they do? Yeah. Yes, it, it is. And I'm sure that's just, just you know, we just barely scratched the surface in terms of understanding bee communication. But uh, it is a very intricate, intricately woven society, and uh, there's a lot of uh, fascinating stuff that goes on in bee colonies. That um, some of which I think I've been able to hopefully uh, present in the book. Um, is there another little? story that you can read us in the book with these great illustrations are wonderful. Yeah. They're, they're terrific illustrations. Read us an, another little piece that okay. you think is a good life lesson for us. All right. Um, well, you know, uh, here's one that's particularly uh, close to my heart, and that is 
the difference between spiritual and sacred. And, you know, I, I think we, we human beings have a tendency to think of spiritual things as, as things that we can't perceive and, and uh, beyond our five senses. But um, I think a better way to look at it is from the perspective of, of uh, being sacred. And there's an excerpt from the book that speaks to this. Again, Buzz and his mentor, Bert, are talking about spiritual matters. And Bert says to Buzz, I also encourage you to think deeper about the word spiritual. An awful lot of bees get tripped up thinking God is just spiritual. When you do that, you forget that God is just as much the physical. Bees, trees, soil, sunlight. Why relegate God to only the spiritual when we have all these miraculous physical reminders right in front of us all the time? I prefer, prefer to use the word sacred. Yeah, but you have to admit, the physical seems so mundane, Buzz commented. That's because you're numb, replied Bert. So, again, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a matter of shifting our consciousness and realizing that, that everything we see, including ourselves, uh, are, are divine. And uh, if you can shift your consciousness and begin to open up to that, it can change your life. Yeah. And you, and you begin, as you said, to see things very deep, different, very differently. Yes. Also, uh, when you say to be or not to be, you know, sometimes what we think we see out there in reality isn't really the way it is at all. It may be the way it looks in the outer world, yes. but it may be quite different in the inner world. Absolutely. You know, or something might be beautiful looking and rotting on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yep. Or the other way around. That's Something right. we now come in a pretty package, but yep. be beautiful on the inside. Yes. Yep. It's all perception. Yeah. All right. We have a couple of minutes. So share one more with us. Um, well, let's see here. Um, there's another interesting concept in the book, which uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback on it, and it's called the the uh, divine detour. Hmm. And and. Um, Basically, you know, I think we uh, we tend to accept the inherent divinity in everything, you know, and and as we gradually come to do that, you you at some point realize the futility of using God as a reference point, and you realize that we can only conceive of God through our subjective perceptions, uh, whereas really our only really hope of knowing God is through fully experiencing life. Yeah. And again, Bert speaks to Buzz when they're having a conversation one day. He says, "Look, Buzz." I don't know how else to say this, but you need to stop thinking at everything in terms of God. It just gets in your way. Yes, some unimaginable power created this universe and this planet and this valley and us, but so what? Ultimately, we're still here with our lives to lead. You keep injecting your ideas of God into everything, and it just fouls it up. I call it the divine detour. It's fine to be on it for a while, but if you don't eventually get through it, you just keep going around in circles. So basically what, what he's saying here is that Really, God is in, in us as much as any place else. And since we're closer to ourselves than anything else, we ourselves are the ultimate path to God. And the mm. best way to know, your, to know God is to know yourself by being fully mm. present. Interesting concept. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest today is John Pembersey, and he's the author of this beautifully illustrated book, To Be, B-E-E, or Not To Be, B-E-E. It's a book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making honey. 
And for me, because my symbol is a bumblebee of pollinating through the airways and bringing guests that bring honey to us all and good things and spreading the word of good, positive living, uh, I just really thought this would be a great interview. And John Pamberthy has managed a vitamin A fortification project for Helen Keller International Indonesia and the 70,000-acre Cache Bioreserve River for the Nature Conservancy. And in striving to see the divine in all things, it led him to write To Be or Not to Be, which came to him in a meditation. We're going to take a break. We have a professionally pre-recorded program for you for Labor Day right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Real Talk with Marcy Mason. A refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. 
CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Want pure inspiration and great ideas for action? Want to become successful beyond your hopes and dreams? Then tune in to Millionaire Mentor with best-selling author, one of the world's leading women entrepreneurs, and host, Luann Mitchell-Halter. Luann and her guests, all masters of global inspiration, share their secrets to manifesting and positive daily mental exercise principles. From how to get affordable health care to billionaire mentality and bankrupt no more imagery, Millionaire Mentor dares you to live the life you love and Love the life you live. Millionaire Mentor with Luann Mitchell Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Millionaire Mentor, achieve your greatest heights. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. We have a specially pre recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in. But it's a, it's really an interesting show. We're talking about bees. And of course, that's one of my favorite subjects because my symbol is the bubble bee and I pollinate through the airways by bringing you all these terrific guests that bring you honey that draw the nectar from, I draw the nectar from the guests and get it out through the airways. My guest today is John Penberthy. And his new book is To Be, B-E-E, or Not To Be, B-E-E. A book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making honey. And it's illustrated by Lori Barrows, who's an award-winning artist who's illustrated over 20 books. The illustrations are just beautiful. Welcome back, John. Thank you, John, one of the reasons that you got inspired to write this book is that it came to you in a meditation, but it was part of when you were managing a vitamin A fortification project, which was for blindness prevention, for Helen Keller International in Indonesia and the 70,000-acre Cache River Bioreserve for the Nature Conservancy. So tell us about that project, how you got into it, because obviously this book came to you at a meditation through that project. Well, I... um... You know, as, as I mentioned, I started out in the business world and, and uh, got burned out after a while and, and was looking to do something more meaningful. And, uh, and uh, my wife and I decided that we wanted to, to try to do some humanitarian work abroad and um, in the third world. And I began exploring and looked at, sniffing around and sending out resumes and uh, got a, uh, at this wonderful job with this organization called Helen Keller International, headquartered in, in New York. To um, manage a, it was a, basically a blindness prevention project in uh, Indonesia. And in Indonesia, there's a lot of nutritional blindness because, particularly out in the, in the remote villages, uh, because the kids don't get enough um, green leafy vegetables. And that's kind of mm-hmm. ironic because Indonesia is about the greenest place in the world, but their mothers don't feed them much uh, green leafy vegetables. So, um, we were looking for a technical fix to this, and Helen Keller had gotten a grant from USAID, and 
And uh, the, the grant was basically to fortify MSG, which is one of the uh, most widely consumed food items in Asia, sure. uh, with vitamin A. And that was one of the few consumer products that even the poor people in the very remote villages uh, bought and consumed. So it was an ideal vehicle for, uh, for fortification. And uh, we, we went over to, lived in Jakarta for a couple of years. We had uh, some uh, test projects out in remote areas and uh, got the, the MSG manufacturers fortifying the MSG and got it distributed. And it was uh, just an amazing experience and something I'll never forget. And how did that lead you to this kind of meditation where you discovered this? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know that I can say that there was any sort of direct uh, leading into uh, the meditation other than the fact that doing that work was more a manifestation of life as a journey from I to E, you know, for me personally, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I did feel like I was doing good and helping people and... uh, uh, you know, blindness is a terrible thing, and especially mm-hmm. if you're just a little kid and you go blind, it's 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 a very difficult thing to have to spend the rest of your life that way. And so, um, I would say that was the connection was just just the idea of, of doing doing some good in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, the the book is is very interesting because it really the bees talk to each other as people would as I said in the beginning, and they really share their feelings, and they talk about things, as I said also, that we talk about. I mean, they're all working together in the hive, and they get crowded, and sometimes people, the bees leave each other, and they feel lonely, or they feel that they're not good enough because they're not producing as much as the other bees, and it's it's really, uh, you really weave this in a very human way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, give us some other uh, insights about that in terms of how the bees interact with each other in the book. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the one of the central themes in the book is um, what the Buddhists call non-duality, and of course, I, I never call it that in the book because it's. Most people don't even know what it is, but, um, you know, um, uh, we we human beings have very intelligent minds, and we have very powerful powers of discrimination, and uh, we pretty much, you know, define everything uh, by its opposite, you know, up, down, right, left, hard, soft, good, bad, uh, divine human. And um, so... It's, these powers are what basically would have given us modern civilization. They're wonderful powers, but they also have locked us into this world of, of duality where we see everything in terms of opposites and we forget that, while well, yes, there are opposites, it's a, in, in the larger sense, it's all really one. And um, so we've, we've used our, our discriminating powers to try to figure out, you know, the spiritual things like God and religion. And... Um, to me, uh, this is really the crux of, um, of every spiritual path. And unless you go, go through it, unless you can get through the duality and, and working toward non-duality and seeing everything as one, uh, you can just get sort of hung up in a, in a spiritual tread, treadmill, what I call the divine detour. Um, my feeling is that, uh, and this is, this is what Bert you know, tells Buzz in the book, is that... Uh, 
you know, God is so far beyond human comprehension that it's futile for, for our limited human minds to even try to figure him out, uh, although we sure do our darndest to try. And um, all we can have is our ideas of God, never the real thing. Um, and, uh, but if you move toward that non-duality where you become non-judgmental and you have more of a direct experience of life, you move into a place that we call you know, equanimity or inner peace or contentment, and, you know, it includes all the opposites, but it doesn't get caught up in them. Well, and it also, I think the other thing that I hear is that it does make you more tolerant. Yes. It's, it's more of a tolerance for others. That's right. That's right. You know, I think tolerance. Jesus has a perfect, perfect quote for that. He said, uh, uh, until you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, that's what he was talking about. It was that sort of innocent state of... of non-discrimination, non-duality of, of seeing the world as one. And uh, I'm sure that explains why kids tend to be so happy. <laughs> you know, yes. they have... They have yeah, uh, the non-judgmental peace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, let me read something here from your book. Um, this, is, this is interesting. It says, Perfection isn't some states of affairs. It's a state of mind. And right. we're talking about Boris, who is the, the main B. He felt so helpless watching Boris destroy in 10 minutes what had taken a lifetime to build. But he also remembered his plan and hoped it might give the colony a chance to start anew and ultimately be better off. So after licking his chops for what seemed an eternity, Boris gave a loud roar and ambled off. So what you're saying is that in 10 minutes, this Boris um, had eaten every part of the hive that contained honey and destroyed those parts that didn't. It was completely an utter disaster. But You should say that Boris is a, is a bear. Boris right. is a bear who's got his eye on the honey in that colony. Right. In that, in that hive. And yet, and yet, they were the survivors. The survivors assembled around the wreckage of the hive and they and these from the honey and comforting the injured, waiting for the sun to rise. Finally came the elder that said, the queen is dead. What will we do, asked the worker? Will we build? There's enough of us left to start a new colony. So, again, I mean, that's so, you know, when I read that, I, I think of people in war yeah. when there were survivors left. Yeah. And they look at the devastation. I mean, look at 9-11, look at the tsunami, and they say, we're alive and we're going we're gonna to do something. That's right. That's right. And I think you know, the larger picture of that is, and the larger message, is that you know, if you stand back far enough, you can, you can see perfection even in that sort of devastation. Um, now, how do you do that? That's hard to do, John. That's a hard one. It's very hard to do, and very few people can do it, and, uh, including me, but uh, um, it's, it's something to strive toward. Um, you know, I, I think we all have our, our ideas of what would make our lives perfect. Um, you know, it's, whether it's a nicer house or a new car or a better job or new wife or, you know, whatever, world peace. Um, we've all got these ideas of what would, what would make life perfect. Um, but the truth is, is, is that from the divine perspective, life really is and always has been perfect, 100% perfect. And I think it's our job really isn't to get, our ultimate job really isn't to get the nicer house or the new car or whatever. It's, it's really to, um, to try to assume this divine perspective. Uh, 
and um, and and basically, you know, to become enlightened. Um, and I think once we do this, our problems will tend to take care of themselves. And Pradesh, you know, there's a, I have an analogy that I like to use here mm-hmm. uh, that, that people find very helpful, and that is. Uh, you can imagine the great Serengeti plain over in Africa, and you know there's herds of lions and herds of gazelles, and and you know of course the lions need to eat the gazelles to stay alive, and it's a very delicate ecology, and everyone understands the rules of the game, and and you know it's sad when a gazelle dies, but people, you know, everyone knows that that's that's a part of the of the big picture, and um, you know if you've got a, a if there's a shortage of gazelles or you've got a lion who's too sick or too old to catch them, and, uh, you know, he's got angst in his life. And he would, if he could talk, he would definitely say that his life is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, the gazelles are terrified of lions, and if, if, if there's a lot of lions around or the gazelle becomes too old or sick to escape, he's got a real problem. And he would say his life is not perfect. But, you know, we as objective observers, we see the big picture, and we know that that interplay is perfect. And um, I, I think our job is to use these same powers of objectivity in our own lives uh, and see the divine perfection at work in our own lives. Mm-hmm. All right, and on that note, we're going to take a break. My guest for this specially pre-recorded program of Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, is John Pemberthy, and he's the author of the book, To Be, B-E-E, or Not To Be, B-E-E, a book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making honey. Stay tuned, folks. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com We all know that somebody. They are always in a great mood, always smiling, always getting exactly what they want. What if that somebody could be you? Let Andrea with an I help you find your personal bliss every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Explore the endless possibilities of using the law of attraction through faith, trust, and support. Tune in Wednesdays to Ask Andrea, the law of attraction in action on the Voice America channel. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just... 
don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com. You know, I just want to tell you all that when I started on Voice America, it was seven years ago, and internet radio was just beginning then, and we probably had 20 shows on the air, and now there are over 200, and Voice America is one of the fastest-growing internet networks. There are so many channels. There's Voice America for Women. There's Voice America Sports, and the list goes on and on. And I really encourage you to log on to the different Voice America networks. It's very exciting that there's this kind of programming to offer to the public where we can enlighten and inspire and teach and educate and and really offer some excellent programs for all of you. So do listen to the to do check out Voice America also. My website, raskinresources.com, is revised and updated, and you can log on and write to me, Patricia, at either patriciaraskin.com or raskinresources.com, and you can tell your friends they can listen from anywhere. All of the shows are archived. You can go to my site, patriciaraskin.com, go to radio shows and click on Voice America. It will take you right to my special page on Voice America, and you can flip through all of the programs. You can also go to voiceamerica.com and look up Raskin, and it will take you there as well. Uh, but again, as I've said, it's, it's really a, a wonderful network, and I've been with them a long time, and it's an honor and a pleasure to bring you this kind of programming because the, the goal of positive living is to help you turn your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities to get the support you need in life and to make your dreams come true. That's what this program is all about. And each week we interview experts, celebrities, authors, folks who have turned their obstacles into opportunities and have are also enlightening us. And today is certainly no exception. My guest is John Penberthy, and he's the author of the book, To Be or Not To Be, B-E-E and B-E-E. And I really selected this interview. One of the reasons I did is because my symbol for all of my work is the B the honeybee, and you'll see that when you go on my website. And the bee is there because what I do is I pollinate through the airwaves. 
as the bee goes into the hive and pulls out the nectar and transforms it into honey for people to eat, I go into the hive, which is my guest's information, pull out their honey, and then we pollinate and spread it through the airwaves. That's what I do. And it's just exhilarating for me. I've been doing this 25 years. I started when people said, oh, forget it. People don't want to hear the good stuff. And now everybody does. People, there's a lot of stress in our country and our culture and at large, and people want to be inspired. The title of the book, To Be or Not to Be, and the subtitle, A Book for Beings Who Feel There's Immortal Lights in Just Making Honey. My guest, John Penbrisey, has managed a vitamin A fortification, which is a blindness prevention project for Helen Keller International in Indonesia and a 70,000-acre Cache River bioreserve for the Nature Conservancy. His striving to see the divine in all things led him to write to be, B-E-E, or not to be, B-E-E, which came to him in the meditation. Lori Bells is the illustrator who's an award-winning artist who's illustrated over 20 books. And it's a, the, the illustrations are beautiful. I really encourage you to get this book for family and friends. It's inspirational. It's delightful. It's fun and uh, well done. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I was saying to you is that all of these stories just relate so much to life. And um, I, I'm going to read really from the beginning of the book, and, and please comment on this. We talk about B, about Buzz. Buzz is the major B. And he loves this air, and he loves to hum around the honeybees, and he just loves it. And as he's observing all this activity around him, and I'm reading from your book, Buzz's mind drifted off into that secret, otherworldly place it loved to explore. Although his eyes were open, the scene before him gradually faded from Buzz's awareness. Why did anything exist? Where did it come from? Why was he here? What was the point of it all? And who was he really? A passing worker jolted him and said, Let's go, Buzz. There's work to do. But then he said, well, here we go again. What's the big rush? This is an incredible, beautiful, and abundant valley, yet no one seems to be interested in anything but work to expand the colony. And then it contained far more bees than anybody could count. So Buzz didn't know why it was so important for the colony to keep on growing when there were so many bees. When he couldn't hold any more nectar, he moved to another flower and began collecting pollen. And then he just thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Your comments on this, John? Well, you know, I think it speaks to a, a basic, um, hum, the basic human condition, and, and that is, you know, the need for balance in our lives. And um, I'm, I, I know that I have, and I'm sure most of your listeners have also been in a situation where our lives have gotten out of balance with work, and, and we've done too much work or too much of the same kind of work for too, too long a period of time, and we get burned out or bored or whatever. And, um, uh, you know, we just want to go sit on a mountain somewhere. But, right. You know, you know, the truth of it is is that while you can do that for a little while, we all need to support ourselves and we all need to be engaged in life. And that's one of the, the sort of key messages in the book is, is Buzz trying to find that balance. And, you know, the Buddha called it the middle path. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha, the Buddha went to those extremes of, of uh, ascetism, and you know he started out as a prince and moved over to ascetism, and then you know when he became enlightened, he he found the middle path, and that was one of the, the major uh, concepts that he espoused. And comment 
about um, when Buzz said, well, you know, there's just so many bees and there's just so much. Why do we have to keep doing this? What's, your, what's the rationale behind that? What's the analogy there? Yeah, well, you know, the queen uh, keeps saying, you know, workers, we have only a small uh, meadow to support us, so I want everybody to get out there and really hump today and, and bring in the pollen and the nectar so we can build the hive and make more bees. And, and you know, it's, it's the rat race. It's the rat race, basically. And Buzz, right. you know, Buzz sort of steps back and says, well, why? why? Why can't we all just sort of relax a little bit more and enjoy the beauty of this valley? And, you know, and he also has a thought that, well, this, this meadow doesn't look that small to me. Maybe, maybe uh, if the problem isn't the small meadow. Maybe if the problem is there's too many bees trying to make a living off of it. So, you know, which is a sort of an environmental issue that we're dealing with here on Earth mm-hmm. right now. Um, so, I, again, you know, I've, I tried to make the story relate to human issues on every page because I, I feel like that's, that's the way that people are going to grow is to see themselves in every page. And, um, um, and you did. And you okay. did. I mean, each one you really can relate to. The, the, the hive really is, is like the world. It's almost as though the, the, the you know the colony is like our life, and uh, and it, and you really did. And I think the illustrations really made that very clear as well, because you can see everybody crowded in the hive. Yeah, yeah. So it's um and and the hustle and bustle. You know, we're just about a break, but speak to quieting our mind, John. I mean, that's how you got this whole concept in the first place was through meditation. And speak to that whole element of stress. We're in so much stress. We are hustling and bustling. We are moving around a lot of people. Yeah. Give us some tips on quieting our mind. Well, uh, Patricia, I think it all starts with awareness. And, you know, there's millions of people out there who are stressed out and just accept that, that that's a normal part of the modern world. And they just think that stress is normal. And um, and they suffer for that. You know, their stress causes a lot of suffering in the world. Um, so you've got to start with awareness. Number one, you know, um, awareness is the first step to solving any problem. And um, once you become aware that your life is too stressful, then you're in a position to do something about it. And that may mean, you know, changing jobs. It may mean just cutting back on what you're doing. It may mean doing different sorts of things. I mean, it's got to be an individual um, solution for each person. Uh, but, I, but I think, you know, I read an article in the paper recently that, you know, it used to be the Japanese who worked, worked the, the most hours per year. Now America holds that, that dubious distinction. And it's, it's sad, I think, because, uh, you know, I call it the race to nowhere. It's like, what is the point? Where, where, do, where, where do we think all this is heading? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of it is, is to, goes to fuel the fires of materialism and, you know, the bigger house and the nicer car that I spoke yeah. about earlier. At what price? And yeah, no price. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is John Pemberthy. His book is To Be, B E E, or Not To Be, a book for beings who feel like there's more to life than just making honey. You're listening to a special pre recorded program for Labor Day for Voice America. I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is 
Basically, when you turn into a hard plastic shell, they say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All Things Music with composer and songwriter Tara Tucker brings to the Voice America channel music genres not typically heard on your FM radio dial. World music, folk, indie, classical, religious, early medieval. What you won't hear is top 40, rap or rock, or celebrity news from the streets or the tabloids of Hollywood. Each week, Tara will showcase a different musical style, the musicians who perform it, the history behind it, and she promises to broaden your musical horizons. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific to All Things Music with Tara Tucker on the Voice America channel. Attention swimmers, get out of the water. Everybody, out of the water immediately. Dude, is that? It's a pair of thunder thighs. Big ones, too. That mom who's been swimming a lot with her kids must have lost them. Whoa. I heard about this happening once up at Laguna. Small step number 54. Play with your kids. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everybody. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. And as I always say, this program is about turning your challenges into solutions, your problems into solutions, and all of your obstacles into opportunities. It's about getting support you need. It's about being inspired and loving life. It's about making your dreams come true. And each week I interview authors, artists, celebrities, folks who've done all these things, who've, who've made their life work, who've turned those lemons into lemonade. And sometimes they've been tough lemons. And I've had on folks who are experts in their field who really share the latest information with us uh, in terms of how we can improve our lives. And today, we're really speaking about the inspiration of life. My guest is John Penberthy, and he's the author of the book, To Be, B-E-E, or Not To Be, B-E-E, a book for beings, B-E-E-I-N-G-S, who feel there's more to life than just making honey. And I really selected this book, especially because my symbol is a bumblebee, and I pollinate through the airwaves. And instead of going to the hive or going to the flower, you know, and and uh, grabbing that pollen and turning it into nectar, what I do is I go to my guests and I grab that pollen, all that wonderful wisdom and knowledge and inspiration, and I spread it like uh, like honey through the wind and actually through the airwaves. That's what I do, and that's why it was important, I think, to have this, this wonderful author on the program speaking about his book. And Lori Barrows is the award-winning artist who illustrates over 20 books and has the greatest illustrations of bees and their hives in this book, so I would suggest it. Welcome back, John. Thank Tell you, us how people can get this book and can learn more. Well, uh, first I'd like to mention, you, you mentioned uh, Lori Barrows, the artist, uh, who is a wonderful artist. She lives in California. She's... Um, <clears throat> 
I can't tell you how many people have told me they love the, the, the illustrations are sort of the Chinese watercolor stuff. They're beautiful. And, you know, some people, they, they see the illustrations, they think it's a children's book. And, um, and I have gotten feedback from parents and grandparents, particularly, that they have enjoyed reading the book to their, you know, their children and grandchildren, and the, the kids love the illustration and get the book at their own level. But um, if, I'm sure your listeners can tell by what I've been speaking about earlier, the book was really written for uh, adults, and uh, because there's a lot of humor and wit and spiritual sophistication that uh, kids just are not able to pick up on. But in terms of uh, where you can get the book, uh, it's available at most bookstores. It's, uh, it's available at all Barnes & Noble bookstores. Uh, of course, it's on Amazon or through my website, uh, www.tobebook.com, T-O-B-E-E, book.com. Or if you just type in To Be or Not To Be in your browser, uh, it will come up number one. Okay. Well, here's some well-known folks that have said this about the book. It's now in 11 languages. Uh, Dan Millman, author of The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and I have interviewed Dan, says, A book for the child in all of us, a simplicity that is powerful, a purity that reminds us of the light that we all are. And then uh, Gay Hendricks, who's the author of Conscious Living, writes, These charming illustrations may seduce you, but the powerful and provocative message will resonate with you for ages. If you've ever doubted the omnipresence of God, read this book and believe, B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E. It was beautiful. So some wonderful things. And Rick Fields of Yoga Journal, former editor, a delightful fable honeycombed with wit, stinging with wakefulness. And I love that, stinging with wakefulness. John, you said that you have a message here, that there was a part in the book at the end where there's a message. Tell us about that. Um, well, you know, I think the best way that I could uh, relate that message is uh, through an experience that I had with my daughter when she was about uh, two and a half years old. She's 16 now, but when she was just a toddler, I, one day, one weekend, I uh, strapped her into the um, bike seat on the back of my bike, and we rode down to the neighborhood ice cream parlor, and and uh, we shared a cup of mint chocolate chip. And and uh, when it was down to just one bite, I, and I'm ashamed to say this, <laughs> I greedily scooped it up and ate it myself and uh, immediately felt guilty. <laughs> and, um, and, but then she took the cup and sort of scraped out the, you know, the, the remaining drippings, and I thought she was going to take it. And, uh, but instead, she, she held out to me and she said, Here, Daddy, last bite for you. Oh, I know. Every time I think of that, it's like a knife to the heart. But it was a very, very powerful lesson. Uh, Which was? Life is a journey from I to we. And um, I I think that's really the the central message of the book. And I think it's the central message, really, of all religions. Once you get past the dogma and you go to the highest teachings of all religions, life is a journey from I to we. You know, Jesus said it beautifully uh, and summed up in one line, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, Or the Dalai Lama has a wonderful quote that says, um, there's no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophies. Our own heart is our temple. The philosophy is kindness. So it's all about getting along. No matter how different you feel you are or weird or strange or whatever, there's a place for you in the world and it's about getting along. How true. All right, let's, um, we're nearing the end of the show, but let's read another, see if we can find a place in the book 
and talk a little bit about these. Can you pick up something that may be one of your favorites oh, and share with us? And the illustrations are just, just magnificent. They really do look like Chinese watercolor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. And really, at the back of the book, it says, the power of the mind lies in perceiving differences, but the power of the heart lies in perceiving similarities. That's yeah. really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And All right, John, if... share something with us from the book as we, as we come okay. to a close today. Um, I'm scanning here for a page that I'm looking for, but I'm not quite there yet, but hold on. Um, All right. Okay. Okay. Well, again, and this will take us back to our concepts of God, but um, <clears throat> uh, Buzz asks Bert what, what he thinks God is, and, and, and uh, Bert says, I've always had a problem with the word God, Bert offered after Buzz finished rambling through his confusion. It means too many different things to different bees. To most, most folks, God is some giant vindictive bee in the sky, and I just don't buy that. Well, what do you think God is? Buzz asked. I don't know, Bert replied. I don't think we can comprehend God because we can only perceive things through our limited bee perspective. And God is so much greater than that. As best as I can tell, God seems to be some universal creative force, the laws of nature, the way of things, what is. I think that's about the best we can come up with. Beyond that, we just have to live in the mystery. Religion doesn't come from God. It comes from bees, offered Bert. Yeah. Most folks don't think they can find God on their own, so they rely on others to show them the way. Problem is, God is within as much as anywhere else, and most bees have a hard time believing they're divine. So they look outside themselves in religion or ritual to try to satisfy their longing for God. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's sort of a, a favorite little uh, excerpt, yeah. excerpt of mine because it, again, speaks to the issue of God and yes. really our, our inability to conceive of God and and, um, and, maybe, and hopefully encourages people to think about God in a different way. And to, yeah. and to, All right. Uh, Thank you so much, John, for being on the program. It was enlightening and wonderful. John Pemberthy, To Be or Not to Be, a book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making honey. You've been listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, especially pre-recorded program. Remember, folks, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, for Positive Living and for, for being positive and for spreading honey to all of you, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Monday and a great week. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.